the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. to change your attitude, change your life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Changemakers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. What if you could develop a strategy for living that would ensure a life of influence and impact? What if you could motivate yourself to live in the moment, focusing solely on what is truly important? Joining me today to discuss how to reflect on the life you want to live is Rabbi Daniel Cohen. Rabbi Cohen is the co-host of the nationally syndicated radio show, The Rabbi and the Reverend. He's the author of the book, What Will They Say About You When You Are Gone? Creating a Life of Legacy. Welcome, Rabbi Cohen. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me today. So, Rabbi, as I get older, it becomes more important to me to live a life of meaning. And and I know many people feel the same way. When we're young, we don't give it much thought, but now it's become quite important. So what inspired you to write the book, What Will They Say About You When You're Gone? Um, I would say that it was a couple of uh, things that motivate me and continue to motivate me. And you're right, oftentimes in our youth, you know, we think we live forever. We just kind of get involved in doing many different things without thinking of purpose and meaning in the same way. And for me, unfortunately, uh, my mom passed away from a brain aneurysm when she was 44 years old. And obviously, uh, our whole life was turned upside down. And in those moments, though, I realized that life can change in an instant. And I had to think about life differently. Um, but even then, I would say it was certainly something that I lived with and always thought about my mom. But then when I got to the same age as my mother, when I got to 44 years old, I really began to think more deeply about how can I harness the gift of life that I have to really try to create impact and meaning every day. And as a rabbi, I really encounter this oftentimes when in moments of crisis, people will come running and say, you know, I really have to get focused on what truly is important in my life. And spending time on those priorities which are most significant to me. And then usually they're motivated for about uh, 20 minutes or until the crisis passes, and then they go back to life as usual. So I really try to work through a process for myself and to share with others about how do we really keep front and center the kind of life that we want to lead, not wait for that moment of crisis, and truly live that life now. Rabbi, I had a similar experience. The work that I'm doing today, everything that the radio show, the magazine, this entire brand was created from a a moment in my life in a period of six months. My mother died. My husband of 23 years and I separated and then got divorced. My sister died and my oldest son left for college. And so I had a life one day and, and quite literally the next it was gone. And everything that I'm doing is the result of that. So I agree with you. It would be wonderful to be able to find that meaning and to appreciate life without having to go through such a traumatic experience. Yeah, and I think part of, you know, again, what the book is about and really what we're talking about is, you know, really each one of us, and this is really the first step, is taking time to what I call develop your prototype. Think about what is the kind of life that you want to lead. What are your values? Write down the five most important words to you. How do you want to be remembered? And really try to crystallize in your mind the kind of person that you want to be. And then, again, what I have in my book are seven strategies to reverse engineer your life 
so you lead that life now. And, um, you know, thank God those that are listening, of course, we can live, we're breathing. And this is really just a gift to take the time to turn off the outside world and turn on that inner world that's inside each and every one of us that truly wants a life of meaning and significance. Rabbi, what do you mean when you say reverse engineer your life? Uh, what I mean is that, um, let's say, for example, in the, uh, the business world, which is kind of where uh, the idea came from in terms of terminology, if somebody, let's say, wants to produce a product, but they actually don't have the plans in front of them, to reverse engineer means you take the product that you have in front of you, and then you deconstruct it, and by deconstructing it, now you figure out how you can recreate it through a process from start to finish, and that's called reverse engineering. What I'm suggesting is we do that with our lives. What is the ideal life that you want to lead? What are the character traits that you want to embody every day, the kind of person that you want to be? And then reverse engineer is what are the steps that you can take every day to ensure that that's the kind of person not only that you, God willing, will be, but that you're living right now. Rabbi, do you think that a lot of the problem is that we're just living at such a rapid rate of speed in our life? Oh, 100%. You know, it's like the joke where somebody is on a plane, of course, and says, I have good news and bad news. Good news, the pilot says, is we're making good time. The bad news is we have no idea of where we're going. Mm -hmm. So we're running right. through things, we're checking boxes off, but at the end of the day, what have we actually accomplished? And I think that's one of the challenges. And I say to people oftentimes, don't listen to the news so much, turn off your phones, just take a walk outside, and what I call seize meditative moments every day. You know, we check our bank account every day to see what the portfolio is. We go on the scale, or maybe we don't want to go on the scale to see how much we weigh. But there's no reason why we shouldn't be doing that with our life on a daily basis. So when we seize a meditative moment, is that a way to create moments that can endure? Oh, 100%. But I also think that it has to be done religiously and consistently. You know, in the Jewish faith, and I know it's in most faiths, sometimes we'll only get serious about who we are and the kind of lives we're leading one time a year or three times a year. And the reality is, is that you wouldn't do that with your portfolio. You wouldn't do that with your health. But if you do that um, consistently with your life and say, okay, in the morning, what do I want to accomplish today? What are the two or three people that I can reach out to today? And then at the end, you say, okay, I did this well. Let me see what I can do the next day better. Then doing that meditative moment consistently is something that will ensure um, that it's not just a one-time event every year, but it really will lead to meaningful growth um, that's sustainable over time. Rabbi, as I said, you know, we're living at this rapid pace and we're not taking time to really notice our life. And I also am becoming more and more of a believer that people have lost faith in whatever their higher power may be. And do you think that that is really coming into play in trying to fill this empty hole within us where we're trying to accumulate things and we're in motion because we have something missing within? A hundred percent. By the way, it sounds like we're kindred spirits. I mm -hmm. love this. The mm -hmm. question <laughs> right on the mark. Um, yes, I believe that, you know, life is about, and there's a beautiful idea in mysticism that says that we come into this world as babies with our hands clenched. A baby comes in, hands clenched. When we leave this world, when somebody, God forbid, dies, their hands are wide open. And all of life is figuring out how to move those hands which are closed, taking the blessings that we have and then sharing it with the world. And when you don't believe in a higher power, we are just naturally inclined to be more self-centered, self-absorbed, focus on this is what I, I, I need. But when you believe in a higher power, there's a sense of accountability to stay true to who we are regardless of what the pressures might be. When you believe in a higher power, there's a sense of calling, of I'm here for a purpose. And every day that I wake up, there's something meaningful for me to accomplish. And I think, unfortunately, when we don't live with that higher power, which I think holds us um, to a higher degree of uh, calling and purpose in the world, I think naturally we just go to what's easy, what's comfortable, and we're not really moving outside our comfort zone and trying to uh, make a difference. So I do believe it's affecting um, people's, what I would call, real happiness. I mean, you know, 
because at the end of the day, when you fill your soul with junk food, which gives you counterfeit pleasures but not real enduring pleasures, you're going to find at the end of the day there's still a hole in the soul. So, Rabbi, for someone who may have lost his or her faith, how do they reclaim it? What do you recommend they do? I recommend, you know, there's a woman actually who was a mentor of mine. She passed away a number of years ago, um, Rebetzin Esther Younggrace, and she would oftentimes say, if you don't feel like giving to somebody, just put in your hand in your pocket and give. Your actions affect your emotions. So, and I believe that everybody has inside of them that voice, that higher power that's in there. But rather than me say to somebody, the way to get to that faith is by just, you know, you got to believe. I believe that through acts of kindness, through doing generous um, acts of kindness and reaching out to others, that adds fuel to the flame of the divine presence that's within you. So I think that's one strategy. I think a second strategy is really to go to places that are awe-inspiring, to appreciate our humility and how really small we are in comparison to the majesty of the world. So I think those are two concrete ways to awaken the faith and also strengthen our belief in a higher power. I agree because I, I know for myself, when I do practice acts of kindness, you start to feel more of a connection with other people. And once you start to feel less isolated and more connected, that's when you really start to slow down and really appreciate the beauty. And then you say to yourself, or at least I say to myself, there has to be something else. I mean, look at the mm -hmm. magic of what's around us. No, 100%. And, you know, that's just the way it works. When you connect with that other human being, you really feel good about it. And it does awaken something inside of you and, and realize that uh, um, there is divine in more places and something transcendent than we ever thought was possible. So, Rabbi, you say that we need to learn how to make courageous choices. What do you mean by a courageous choice, and why is that so important? Um, because I think at the end of the day, King Solomon says this well. He says, um, better to have a good name than all the wealth in the world. And I think that we do want to make a difference, and we do want to fight for things that we believe in, stay true to our principles. And when I say courageous choice, it means sometimes making a tough choice that reflects our values, that reflects our principles. Um, and to me, you know, somebody once said, there's a book by Alan Patton, where a soul goes to God at the end of their life, and God says, where are your wounds? And the person turns to God and says, I have none. And God says to the person, was there nothing in this world worth fighting for? And making a courageous choice means we are really passionate about those things that are worth fighting for, for believing in, for acting on. And to me, that is one of the greatest marks of a uh, significant life. Most people live in a state of fear. They're afraid of the unknown. They're afraid of stepping out of their comfort zone. So is there any advice that you would offer someone to make a courageous choice to move past the fear? Um, I would say, you know, there's a verse in the book of Psalms, and I believe in this, that, um, you know, for those uh, that cast their bread on the water, that really take risks, God will provide, God will be there for them. And I think it is a matter of, you know, taking a bit of a leap of faith, but knowing that, and I've felt this throughout my life, and I think many of us, when you do the right thing, and you can look yourself in the mirror and know what, I did what I know that I believed in, you're going to be feeling much better about yourself. And it's having that sense of confidence that at the end of the day, you're playing to an audience of one, and if you do the right thing, um, things will work out. And I think that's something uh, to always remember. And I think when you look back on life and you look back at history and people in your family, you know, I would say to somebody, who's a model in your life of somebody who you felt was a courageous person? And those models should serve as sources of inspiration to you um, to make the right decision, even though the circumstances might be challenging. And it comes back to having faith and trusting. And and I think when you do have faith and you trust that things will work out as they should, that does give you freedom to move through the fear. Oh, yeah, no, 100%. And I think, you know, to know that, you know, somebody's always walking with you, um, somebody's guiding you. And again, it comes back to that higher power, because at the end of the day, um, we're not in full control. We just try to do what's right in front of us to make the best decision 
But at the end of the day, you know, if we truly believe that we are partners with that higher power, that higher power is going to fight for us. That higher power is going to give us the strength. As it says in Isaiah, those who have faith in God, their strength will be renewed. They will run and not walk. And um, we have it inside of us. And when you put one foot forward, God will help us the rest of the way. Rabbi, what is the 25 formula, and how does that relate to our life? Um, it relates to uh, really the whole notion of courageous choices. Warren Buffett is the 25 principle, and he says it takes 20 years to build a reputation. It takes five minutes to destroy a reputation. And basically the idea is that oftentimes it is the small decisions that we make, whether positive or negative, that lead us in a direction either to stay true to who we are or unfortunately uh, go down a path where, you know, one lie or one compromise leads to something else. And I think we shouldn't underestimate the power of the small choices that we make. Our character and who we are are determined not just by these grand moments, but you know, somebody asks you to keep a promise. Do you keep the promise or not? Somebody asks you to help. Do you help or not? Do you extend a hand? Um, are you somebody people can count on? You know, when I do a funeral and somebody says he never said a bad word about somebody else, that's not an easy thing to say about somebody. But you can't say that about somebody unless in all of your interactions you're actually thinking about my words really can bring life or death and living a life where we realize that in every moment, every choice that we make, we're ultimately building eternity. You know, it's interesting, Rabbi, because when we think of a life of legacy, we think that we have to do something really life-altering for another person or, or some type of grand act. But really, it's just about living the best life we can, being the best person we can, having faith, showing kindness and love. And that really is a legacy that anyone can achieve. And I'm a big believer, you know, in the book, I call it the Elijah moment, which is this notion that you may not be able to change the world. But if you can change the world of one person, and I think we've all seen this, then you never know where that light is going to go and where that light is going to shine. And you're right, legacy isn't a big thing. Legacy is literally making a difference. It could be in a family member's life. It could be somebody you just met in the supermarket. But, you know, those encounters are not random. I believe that when we have an opportunity to exchange a little bit of our light with somebody else, you're leaving a legacy. You're making a difference. And you don't know whether that kind word that you shared maybe gave that person a little bit of an extra step in their life today. And then they interacted with somebody else in a different way. And um, we have to keep that in mind. And if we lead our lives with that attitude, our lives will be so much richer and our lives will be so much more meaningful and impactful. The book is What Will They Say About You When You Are Gone? Creating a Life of Legacy. If you would like to get more information about Rabbi Cohen and his work, you can visit RabbiDanielCohen.com. Rabbi, in our final moments, what's the takeaway? What would you like to leave our listeners with? I would like to uh, I guess remind everybody that um, there's something really special inside each and every one of us. I'll just conclude with a beautiful story. It says that every human being, before we're born inside the womb, there's an angel that teaches us the secret of the light, which is a message of really what it means to lead a life of meaning and significance. And right before we're born, it says there's an angel that taps us right underneath our nose, and we forget that light, and it's buried deep inside. And right when we leave this world, we're greeted by an angel, and it's the angel that planted the light inside of us and asks us two questions. Did you reveal the light that I planted in you? Did you reveal the potential that God gave each and every one of us to be the best that you can be? And then did you share that light with the world? And every single person here is created in a very unique way, and I hope and pray that we can stay true to that, we can remember that, not to wait for moments of crisis to be the best that we can be, not compare ourselves to anybody else, and to try to share that beautiful light with the world each and every day. Rabbi, thank you so much for spending time with us and for reminding us about the importance of, just as you said, being the best that we can be. As I, I told you, you know, I went through a time of crisis before all of this became so important and mindful for me, and I, and I just hope that we can teach our children this message, that they can grow up understanding that from a very young age, they can begin 
to be the best that they can be and create this wonderful legacy that they can pass on. So thank you for this conversation, for your book, and for the reminder. Thank you very much for the opportunity, and God bless you, and uh, hopefully we'll all uh, continue to be the best and inspire the next generation as well. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rabbi. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. How much can the right foods do for you? A lot more than weight control. The right foods can increase your energy, improve your outlook, and strengthen your body's natural defenses. What foods can do all that? Primo Health Solutions will show you using metabolic typing. This remarkable program lets your body tell you what it needs to work best. Call them today at 347-903-7030. That's 347-903-7030. Or go to PrimoHealthSolutions.com. Using metabolic typing, Primo Health Solutions will let your body work best. Hi, this is Joan Herman, host of Conversations with Joan. I'm excited to announce that we're taking the show on the road, and the first stop is the New York Open Center. Please join me on Sunday, July 21st at 10 a.m. when my guest is Colleen Kelly Alexander, author of Gratitude in Motion. Colleen was hit by a multi-ton freight liner. Her body was mangled from the waist down and drained of its blood. She was resuscitated twice and remained in a coma for over five weeks. Colleen endured multiple surgeries as her body struggled to heal, but Colleen did not just survive. Today, she thrives. To honor the EMTs and medical professionals who saved her life, she has completed 50 races and 40 triathlons. Colleen is truly a miracle. I hope you'll join us. For more information, visit cyacyl.com slash events. That's cyacyl.com slash events. And be sure to tune in to Conversations with Joan every Sunday night at 10 p.m. right here on AM 970 The Answer. productive life, but sometimes we just need a little help. Our Coach On Call experts provide strategies to help you live your best life now. Joining me today is Linda Mitchell, a transformational life coach and reinvention expert who helps her clients move through life's challenges and transitions with purpose, passion, and clarity to emerge more powerful, fulfilled, and purposeful. Linda is here today to discuss the power of forgiveness. Welcome, Linda. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Joan. It's great to be back. Linda, when we feel that someone has done us wrong or when someone hurts us, it's human nature to get and sometimes to stay very angry, especially when we feel we didn't deserve the treatment that we received. So how do we move past the anger and resentment to get to a place of forgiveness? Well, you know what, Joan, that's so true. If someone harmed us or caused us great pain, sometimes it's really tough to forgive. And sometimes it feels like the last thing you want to do because you're so angry or hurt, especially if something traumatic happens. Forgiveness is really difficult. But here's the thing that I believe makes all the difference. You can forgive someone without excusing their bad behavior. Forgive forever. Excuse never. This simple phrase helps immensely. Holding on to grievances is a decision to stay in a state of suffering. Your pain holds you hostage. Holding a grudge means you're not allowing the pain to dissipate. It's almost impossible to hold on to injustices and feel peaceful. You can't hold on to anger and bitterness and feel true joy. You can't stay in the role of a victim and feel powerful. In many ways, these feelings are mutually exclusive. So it begs the question, which is most important? Which do I really want, need, and ultimately choose? If the injustice is fresh and raw, yes, we definitely need time to process the emotions before we can let it go. But when we hold on to a grievance for a really long time, the truth is it has a hold on us. We've given away our power. The grievance, memory, or individual who wronged us has power over us if the mere thought of it creates anxiety and turmoil in our lives. It can cause us to inject our hurt into other situations that may be unrelated, creating unnecessary messes and drama in our current lives, all because we're carrying an anvil of pain and suffering on our shoulders. No grievance, no matter how justified you are, is worth the pain, hate, and the anger you must carry with it. Forgive forever. Excuse never. Linda, it's been said that forgiveness is more of a gift that we give to ourselves than to the person who wounded us. Do you believe that statement to be true? And if you do, why? 
I do believe that's true. Forgiveness is a sure path to peace, healing, happiness, and freedom. Forgiving someone else brings you back to wholeness. Forgiveness is the antidote to bitterness, resentment, an unhealed past, and a difficult future. It's like releasing all your old baggage and watching it get washed out to sea. Forgiveness transforms fear to strength, pain to peace, and resentment to freedom. Forgiveness gives you back your power. For as long as you hold a grudge or resentment against someone, you're really holding yourself and your own happiness hostage. Forgiveness is a choice you make. For some, it's a slow process of letting go. And for others, it's a decision that happens. And like a switch, it's done. They say, you know what? I'm done carrying this burden. It's over. I choose to put the pain down to no longer carry it and to see if I can find a gift in the process and move on. Grievances hijack our emotions. Forgiveness, on the other hand, creates a path to peace and healing. There's an old saying, Staying angry is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. It's really harming you. If you're ruminating over the past or throwing hate bombs all day long, you're putting your own health at risk while the other person is off somewhere else, unaffected and unaware. Even if you're 100% right, if you hold onto the hurt and the pain, you cast yourself as a victim. And victims feel powerless. Grudges hold you back because they're like chains to your past. Forgiveness moves you forward. Ask yourself, would you rather focus on fear, revenge, guilt, hate, and anger, or would you rather look for and live from a place of freedom, peace, strength, and happiness? Forgiving someone else means you're choosing peace instead of pain in your own life. Can viewing forgiveness from a different perspective make it easier to forgive someone who's hurt us? Well, yes, sometimes it's helpful to see injustices as difficult experiences that made you who you are now. Maybe you're stronger now, maybe more compassionate or empathetic or not judgmental. These are the hidden gifts if we choose to see them as such. Another idea that helps is this. Change the perspective from who's right and who's wrong to who's wounded and needs to heal. This way, the focus is less on pointing fingers and finding fault and more on helping each person recognize the other's pain, motives, maybe shame, fear, or judgment. And in doing so, you find understanding and allow yourself and perhaps even the other party to find freedom from the hurt. It sets the scene for new joy to come into your life. It allows miracles to manifest grace to flow, and it begins the process of releasing the pain of the past. Linda, thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about this topic or Linda and her work, you can visit livinginspiredcoaching.com. And as always, to hear more from Linda, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com slash Linda. We'll be right back. Do you get stressed out at people shouting on social media, people taking sides of issues and just yelling to be heard? This is Susan McLaughlin from SMC Ventures with a social media simplified tip. Be kind. Kind is the new cool. Think about who you're following and why you follow them on social media. Maybe you follow people for business. Maybe you follow them because they make you laugh. Maybe you follow them because you want to learn something. Now apply that to your own social media posting. Are you the kind of person you would want to follow? Then take a look at your followers. Who exactly is following you? Try to find a way to help people understand your position without losing sight of what it means to be a kind person. This doesn't mean you're someone's doormat or that you have to agree with everyone. That would make us a very dull society. But there are ways to make yourself understood without negative language and without shouting. There are a lot of kind, smart, lovely people on social media that you can learn from. Find them. Follow them. Be kind. If you need help with your social media for business, give us a call. Visit our website at smcventures.biz or visit us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. This is Susan McLaughlin from SMC Ventures, social media simplified by Sue. Hi 
this is Joan Herman, host of Conversations with Joan. I'm excited to announce that we're taking the show on the road, and the first stop is the New York Open Center. Please join me on Sunday, July 21st at 10 a.m. when my guest is Colleen Kelly Alexander, author of Gratitude in Motion. Colleen was hit by a multi-ton freight liner. Her body was mangled from the waist down and drained of its blood. She was resuscitated twice and remained in a coma for over five weeks. Colleen endured multiple surgeries as her body struggled to heal. But Colleen did not just survive. Today, she thrives. To honor the EMTs and medical professionals who saved her life, she has completed 50 races and 40 triathlons. Colleen is truly a miracle. I hope you'll join us. For more information, visit cyacyl.com slash events. That's cyacyl.com slash events. And be sure to tune into Conversations with Joan every Sunday night at 10 p.m. right here on AM 970 The Answer. This is WNYM, Hackensack, New Jersey, New York City. Welcome back to Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for staying with us. What person is not experiencing some form of transition, yet changes one aspect of life that many people resist and fear? It terrifies us. According to today's guest, Tamma Keys, in this ever-shifting world, it has become crucial to internalize the skills needed to adapt when change occurs. Tamma knows firsthand the fear and paralysis that accompanies drastic life changes. She's been featured in USA Today, as well as on ABC News, Oprah Radio, and other national media. She is the author of the book, Thriving Through Uncertainty, Moving Beyond Fear of the Unknown and Making Change Work for You. Welcome, Tama. Thank you for joining us. I am so glad to be here today. Thank you. So, Tama, what you experienced in your life, I think many people go through something similar. You went to Harvard and Mm -hmm. you struggled for years to become a partner in a law firm. Harvard Law School, no less. There you go, Harvard (laughs) Law, a little bit of an overachiever. A little bit. And you realized that this wasn't what you wanted after all of this time and effort that you put Mm -hmm. in. And you've said to yourself, this isn't right for me. But before we get into that part of the story, I want to talk a little bit about you as a person. Were you always self-driven? Or were you living up to the expectations of others? Mm, good question. <laughs> a little bit of both. I think. I think really, um, I was just a, a people pleaser and achiever and doing what my family said and driven out of fear. You know, because uh, the fear of you have to do the right thing, you have to, uh, you have to perform, you have to get ahead, that kind of thing. Instead of out of love and what I really wanted to do and who I really was. You know, and, and that so- was why I opened that way, Tema, because when I said that most people go through this in one Mm -hmm. form or another we are living our lives for other people yes yes you know and and that's how that whole thing happened is like you know when I was young and this is true of a lot of people they know what they want they know what they love when I was younger I knew what I wanted I wanted to write that was my biggest dream but I grew up in Brooklyn New York and Mm -hmm. my family's orthodox Jewish and Mm -hmm. I got you know you're gonna write you're gonna stop (laughs) And so that was that, you know, and so I went off to law school and Harvard Law School and graduated with honors. I'm on partnership track. And I was so unhappy because, you know, you don't get to choose what you love. It chooses you. It's like just because I was achieving success and I had what everybody else said was successful and everybody, it looked great in the world. It didn't feel good. It felt empty and scary because it wasn't really my right life. And thank God a friend said to me, think about it. If you've been this successful doing something you don't love what could you do with what you love and that's Mm -hmm. really that's really what woke me up so that's what began my whole journey I walked out of that career to really create the life I wanted I think that's amazing advice what could you do when you find Mm -hmm. what you really love so you figured out that this wasn't what you wanted to do and and somehow you mustered up the courage to go back to Brooklyn and say I don't want to be a lawyer anymore Mm -hmm. how did the people around you react (laughs) you said you were going to starve yeah I know (laughs) 
<laughs> that wasn't that wasn't a happy moment in uh, my family's history. Let's just put it that way. Of you know, people around you will say, and they mean well, but you know, a lot of times they will say negative things to you, or they'll give you advice. And I always teach my clients. I'm a I'm a career and success coach, and I always teach my clients. I never take advice from unhappy people. I never mm-hmm. take advice from unhappy people, and I never take advice from people who aren't living their dreams because people who are living their dreams are going to tell you to go for yours. When I started doing this work, Tama, someone actually said to me that I was making a fool of myself and that people were <laughs> laughing at me. And you know, oh it, it, the interesting thing was this came out of nowhere. I was just a middle-aged mom. And mm-hmm. so I could see where someone may say it was crazy, but for the first time in my life, I didn't let fear stop me and mm-hmm. I didn't let those comments stop me. And do you mm-hmm. think that's the turning point for people? When they say, Absolutely. I'm not listening. Absolutely. You know, you get one life and you get to decide which voice inside yourself you listen to. And you have a voice that's going to tell you, you know, those other people are right and you're making a fool of yourself or you need to be practical. You you know, you're too old. You're too young. You're, you're not thin enough. You don't make enough money. You're not educated. But whatever it tells you. And you'll think it's practicality. But if it doesn't make you feel good, it's not the right voice. And I want to teach you to listen to this other voice inside you that tells you you have your dreams for a reason. There's a reason you're called to do this. There's a reason you want to do this. And yeah, it may not happen right away. Uh, I've been rejected five billion times. I've had so many challenges. I've had so many obstacles. Most people don't live the life of their dreams because they don't know how to handle the uncertainty part. Tim, what do you advise to someone to help him or her find the direction of his or her life when they when they don't really know what they want to be doing? Mm. You know, first of all, I think we always know what we want. We really do. We're just not listening to it. And I think that's what happens to a lot of people is that they get a whisper or a nudge, but they think, well, that's not, that's ridiculous. Forget about career. Forget about what you're doing with your whole life. We're not trying to figure it out. We're trying to let it out moment by moment. We're going to follow the breadcrumbs because in this moment, in this instant, there is something, you know, there is something you want to do. And if you do something you love and you do something you want to do, it's going to strengthen you. It's going to change your brain chemistry. You're going to feel different about yourself. So that's the first step is always do whatever is nudging to you right now in this moment. You know that I believe in the power of our thoughts. Mm-hmm. What is your strategy to transform negative thoughts into positive ones? It's so important, again, to keep in mind that you might be listening to a negative thought, but you're calling it good judgment. You're calling it practicality. So I use a technique called the win list. And what it is, is that you focus exclusively on what's working, what's moving in the right direction, what you are doing well. So every single day you write five or 10 things every single day of, you know, what's moving in the right direction, what, what happened, what you are doing well. And I'll give you an example. It's not just actions that you take, because like you said, you change your attitude, you change your life. It's about the thoughts that you change, right? So Mm -hmm. on, on that win list, it might not just be that, well, you know, I spoke my truth to my husband. That's fantastic. You know, that's an action you took. But maybe it's even, I thought about speaking my truth to my husband. Didn't do it yet. But I at least had the awareness in that moment. That would go on your win list because so many times we're not acknowledging and uh, really celebrating ourselves for, for the growth that we are doing. And as you know, everything happens internally. I don't care what you do in the outside. I care what you're thinking. Because if you change your thoughts, you change the way that you're thinking about it, you'll change your actions, you'll change the way you show up. So the win list focuses on times you've changed your thinking, times you've thought about changing your thinking, that you got more conscious in the moment, which is amazing. So for the people that you work with who have done this strategy, who have created this list, what happens? What can people that do this expect to see? What really starts to happen is that you start to develop this inner love or this inner confidence or this other way of seeing your life because you're starting to focus on the things that are working. Those people who are actively engaged in practices of thriving will really start to experience everything in their life differently. It's not about changing the circumstances. It's not about putting off your life saying, well, when I get over here, I'll be okay. 
okay. If this one thing happens, I'll be okay. If that thing happens, I'll be okay. What I want you to start having the experience of is thriving right now. Something's happening right now in your life right now. There's a gift right now, and I don't want people to miss it. I want them to have the tools to have this inner friendship, this inner love, this inner connection that everything changes. Emma, we've been talking about people making the choice to move through some type of transition. But what about people that are placed in a circumstance over which they have no control, such as death or divorce or illness or unemployment? What strategies do you offer to help people manage things when they feel like it's out of their control? You know, and, and that's a very good question because, um, it, it, you know, it's very hard when, you know, we're going through a, a transition like that where something we did not ask for, we did not want, you know, or seems really negative or really challenging. And I think the main, the main point that I'm making in this book is that you think that happiness or that thriving is really about the circumstances of your life, that if things are going well, then you're going to be happy. That's what we're taught, right? You know, that if, uh, if if I have enough money, if I get the right diagnosis, if, if I don't get divorced, if I, you know, all of those things. But really what happiness comes down to, and there's studies for this, is your response to your life is your life. It's not so much about what's going on. It's who will you be in this situation? Can I choose from love instead of fear? The natural instinct is to push away. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be going through this. I don't want to be going through grief. I don't want to be going through anxiety. I don't want to be, you know, all of those things. We, we try to push away our lives. And I want people to stop in this moment and realize that it's not so much what's going on that's hurting you. It's your thoughts about what's going on. And what I would want you to do is to use any single circumstance that you're in and have this be a life that you choose, to choose where you are and to show up in love and to show up in grace. Because I promise you, sometimes that what's falling apart is actually what's falling together, that you're moving into a more expansive experience. And sometimes that expanse is just learning how strong you are and what a difference you make and what a difference your thoughts make. So for me, it's always about really taking the time uh, and practice to shift the way that you're seeing where you are. The book is Thriving Through Uncertainty, Moving Beyond Fear of the Unknown, and Making Change Work for You. If you'd like to learn more about Tama and her work, you can visit her website, tamakieves.com. That's T-A-M-A-K-I-E-V-E-S.com. Tama, in our final moments, what's the takeaway? What do you want to leave our listeners with? I guess, the, I guess the main thing I would want people to know is uh, thriving can happen right here, right now. Let's not push our lives away. Let's not say, um, I just got to get through this. I just got to get through that. I want to I wanna teach you to thrive right now. I want you to start enjoying where you are. And I think the main thing I'd like you to know, too, is that the things that are uh, on your mind that, uh, you know, you think are frivolous or silly or, oh, I couldn't do that or I couldn't go after that or I couldn't, it's too late. I want you to know it's imperative. I I want you to know that listening to your inner voice and your instincts and your genius and your gifts and your love is imperative. Tim, thank you so much for spending time with us today and for providing strategies that can help us move through fear, be more gentle with ourselves, thrive and choose the life we want to live. So I'm happy that you made the choice because now you're here with us to help us make the choice. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much, and thank you for all the choices you're making and the courage you're doing to put these incredible messages in the world. Thank you. We'll be right back. What helps you see things differently? Hi, I'm Suzanne Tregenza Moore, mother, wife, business coach, skincare consultant, and middle-aged woman. I'm on a path to rediscovering who I am and what I want, and I invite you to take the journey with me. In my experience, connecting to our deepest desires can seem like a faraway prospect. Our truth lies somewhere behind family responsibilities and the inertia we feel. To find this buried treasure, we need to shake things up a bit. Here are three simple ways I've found to do it. See things a different way by doing some jigsaw puzzles. Focusing on color and shape recently helped my mind break free from the video and words that more often find their way into my consciousness. Might this work for you? 
take a walk with your camera. Physical movement is always good, and combining it with some creativity engages the brain in a refreshing way. Read or listen to a novel or biography. Peeking into someone else's life, whether real or imagined, makes us look at our own from angles we may not have considered before. If you're feeling the daily grind, take some time for yourself and play. It doesn't have to take all day. Join me at SuzanneTMoore.com to learn how I'm increasing play and creativity in my busy life. Do you worry about how to protect your family and valuables from intruders breaking into your home? Hi, I'm Dan Coleman, professional investigator and founder of Creative Solutions Investigative Services and Burglary Solutions. The thought of someone breaking into your home when you're away, or worse, someone entering your home when you're sleeping, is a frightening thought for all of us. Some simple steps can make a big difference in keeping your home safe and secure. Keep in mind that burglars and thieves want your valuables more than anything else. An experienced burglar knows that if they're confronted by a homeowner while committing the burglary, they could face more serious charges than if no one was home. So do everything you can to make your home look occupied at all times of the day. When it's dark, have multiple lights on timers, especially at dusk. During the day, make it look like there are children in the home. To protect yourself at night, make sure you have motion lights around the outside of your house and property. Did you know that most burglars are inside a home for less than three minutes? That's enough time to go to the master bedroom, steal jewelry or other valuables, and escape before the police arrive. So never store valuable or sentimental jewelry in a jewelry box inside your bedroom. Don't put off thinking about how to protect your home and family from a burglar until it's too late. If you need more information or assistance, you can contact me, Dan Coleman, through my website, csinvestigations.info or burglarysolutionsllc.com. Hi, this is Joan Herman. Did you know that Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life publishes a free monthly digital magazine that can be read online or emailed to your inbox? Every month, nationally recognized leaders in their field provide information to educate, inspire, and motivate you. We believe in a holistic approach to life, incorporating mind, body, and spirit. Check out a copy of 24-7 Magazine, visit CYACYL.com, and be sure to tell your friends. your health. Joining me today to talk about vaping is Sarah Gillespie Cummings, the treatment manager for the juvenile assessment team for the Broward County Juvenile Assessment Center. Sarah is an advisor for Nothing But Advice. Welcome, Sarah. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. So, Sarah, for our listeners who may not be familiar with this term, what is vaping? Vaping is an alternative to smoking cigarettes. Um, and also an alternative, really a harm reduction alternative for people that may be addicted to smoking, they can use a vaporizer or an e-cigarette to smoke a nicotine as opposed to smoking through traditional cigarettes. You can actually reduce your smoking by reducing the amount of nicotine in the vaporizer, therefore either reducing or eliminating the smoking of nicotine through traditional cigarettes. So Sarah, who is vaping? Well, we actually have people that are addicted to cigarettes then going to a safer alternative through vaporizing because you're avoiding the tar and the smoke of traditional cigarettes. However, on the other end of the spectrum, we're seeing college students, high school students, middle school students now seeing vaping as a safe alternative to smoking. And we're having a whole spectrum of new users vaporizing or using e-cigarettes. So we have those people, the benefit of those people that are trying to stop smoking, it's a great benefit for them. On the other end of the spectrum, we see a whole generation of new users to nicotine and THC oil and marijuana through e-cigarettes. What impact does it have on the body, both physically and emotionally? Vaporizing is definitely less noxious than traditional cigarettes, definitely less noxious than using marijuana. However, the emotional impact is we have a whole new generation of users. We have young people that are using e-cigarettes that would not touch a regular cigarette. We have young people that may not have access to leafy marijuana that through the internet are getting access to HC oil, smoking it through a vaporizer. Is there any science that shows what vaping is doing to the brain? There is science behind it and there's a lot of research. Again, it's meant as a harm reduction model. So it's less it, it has less deleterious effects than smoking 
your traditional tar cigarette. However, the long-term effects of vaporizing are unknown. The vape cloud that's produced still has carcinogens in the vape cloud. It still has formaldehyde. There are still aerosols in it. So we just don't know because vaping is a relatively new phenomenon. We don't know what the long-term effects of vaping is. The American Heart Association talks about something called popcorn lung, which is a damage to the lung tissue that causes lung problems very early on to vaping and can be especially concerning for young people that are prone to breathing problems such as asthma. Is vaping addictive? Well, we know it's addictive because you're still using nicotine when you're vaping. When you're smoking a traditional cigarette, you smoke one cigarette, you put it down. When you're vaping, we don't know if our young people, where they're stopping using that vaporizer, how much nicotine, even if it's at a lower level, how much nicotine is it taking in? Um, There's a product called Juul that has a cartridge. It's another form of vaporizer that looks like a flash drive. USB flash drive, that one cartridge contains the same amount of nicotine in an entire pack of 20 cigarettes. So we know that people use vaping as a way to quit smoking, but why do you believe younger people are starting to vape? Well, it's actually become a phenomenon. And if you look at the advertising for uh, vaporizers, the advertising actually focusing on young adults. You don't see an older adult trying to quit smoking. You don't see, you know, someone who's middle-aged on the advertising. You see someone who's young, someone who's sleek. So really advertisers, you know, whether that was their intent or not, are advertising toward our young people. They're advertising toward getting starting use, not cessation of actually tobacco use. So Sarah, what do you recommend to someone who wants to stop vaping? Well, I think the parents who have young people, they're they're young people, they're college students, they're middle school students or high school students are using to get educated, to go to sites like the United Way or the Commission on Behavioral Health and Drug Prevention and learn the facts about vaping, learn the benefits, and also learn the costs of vaping and who they're targeting and share that information with your young people. You can still go to, um, you know, call the 1-800-QUIT-NOW. You can go get a quit code. Um, tobacco-free online. You can, of course, then go to traditional therapies for substance abuse, tobacco use. So there's, there's many avenues that either a teenager or a young adult could go to for quitting, as well as adults that have transitioned from smoking cigarettes to vaping. Sir, thank you so much for spending time with us and for bringing awareness to this issue. If you would like to learn more about Nothing But Advice, or if you would like to hear more interviews on mental health issues, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com slash nothingbutadvice. At highway speeds, the average text takes your eyes off the road for about five seconds. That's enough time to travel the length of a football field. Stop texts. Stop rex.org. <laughs> That's it for today's show. Thank you for joining us. I hope you found the show informative. At Conversations with Joan, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided are the opinions of our guests and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on the site, listen to past shows on demand, read our digital magazine, take part in the book club, check out our team, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. The preceding pre-recorded program sponsored by Maximilian Communications, LLC. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.